stay at work, return to work. Thanks for joining us for Episode 3. Our Kessler Foundation Communication Specialist, Laura Viglione, met with Adria D. Simone from Kessler Institute of Rehabilitation, where she is the Spinal Cord Injury Vocational Resource Facilitator. In this episode, Adria talks about her personal employment experience and how it has prepared her for this position. She also shares how the program has already made a difference in the lives of people with spinal cord injury and regaining employment. Let's listen in. Before we go into more detail on the resource facilitation program at KIR, um, can you tell me a bit about your academic background as well as your professional background and kind of what led you up to this position uh, as resource facilitator? Absolutely. Um, So I have my undergraduate undergraduate degree from the University of Scranton in Counseling and Human Services uh, with a minor in Psychology and I stayed there for my graduate studies in Rehabilitation Counseling and everybody always asks me what is Rehabilitation Counseling? So it's a counseling degree with focus on rehabilitation and services for individuals with disability to have um, to achieve vocational and community goals. And you began your journey uh, at Kessler um, in the cognitive rehabilitation program as a certified rehabilitation counseling specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what you were doing there and um, you know, how you became interested in the SEI population? I was actually a student um, completing my clinical internship um, back in 2014 at Kessler in their cognitive rehab program. Um, so that was my first experience of, of um, physical rehabilitation and also cognitive rehabilitation being a vocational counselor. Um, so this kind of opened my eyes to seeing what it's like to work on an interdisciplinary team, um, that holistic apro- approach to rehab, but also um, being one of the interdisciplinary team members to really focus on and have a special skill set for returning to work is really what was most appealing to me. Um, So I then went on to work um, at another um, hospital in New Jersey and when this position at Kessler opened up um, for CRP I applied and was accepted. My particular role in CRP was to assist individuals with um, cognitive deficits to return to work. So we did this through a number of ways. We um, first identify what the cognitive deficit area is, and then we introduce and teach different compensatory strategies to help overcome that deficit area. What I like most about CRP is there's a functional skills program, which is really the work program. Um, The goal is to replicate demands and aspects of an individual's job using um, simulated work activities and materials so that it's most functional for our patients. And the goal is for them to um, apply and utilize the cognitive, defi- the cognitive compensatory strategy to overcome that deficit area that might otherwise hinder them from being able to perform the aspects of their job. 
So while I was working in CRP, I actually um, was able to interact with the previous vocational resource facilitator um, on a patient who had an SCI and a TBI. Um, so that's how I learned about the, the vocational resource facilitator position. Um, and we're CRCs. I always say we have to stick together. What do you do? I was so interested and intrigued to learn about her role at Kessler. And that was really when I had my first introduction to um, vocational resource facilitation services for the spinal cord injured patients. And now, is that is the approach similar to what you were doing previously? Or, you know, what is your day-to-day? What is the process? Um, can you explain to, um, you know, the listeners how that would go about? I would say the role... Um, it- very slightly than what I was doing in CRP, but the goal is the same, which is to help individuals return to work. Um, so I'm, I attend the weekly clinical team meetings um, that occur five days a week um, at the inpatient level, and I converse with the doctors, the PTs, OTs, speech therapists, um, nurse case manager, and um, I am able to learn f- information regarding functional gains for our individuals with spinal cord injuries. It's also an opportunity for me to um, get some of the referrals that the the treatment team might be having for people who have questions about work. Once I'm linked to a person that I know has a work goal, I meet with them individually um, for one-on-one vocational counseling. So we include the family, we include um, members of the treatment team to understand how they're progressing towards their their treatment goals, but also how that might impact their ability to um, return to work. I know that you also work with uh, state DVR and you work with, um, so after you get their uh, recommendations, um, how does the next steps go about? Do you reach out to DVR? What is the process? Once I work with a patient to identify different services or supports that they might need to help with their vocational goal, um, if they're interested in learning to become eligible for DVR services, um, then I can, I'm able to make a very quick referral to um, whatever, uh, DVR count, whatever DVR office is within their particular county. Um, So once that referral is made, we always strive and hope that the DVR counselor is able to come on site and meet with our patients um, prior to discharge. So that's how we we start the process there. Can you give us a successful example of how your position as resource facilitator has really improved an individual with spinal cord injuries return to work or return into their community? There's one individual that I worked with, um, his name is Ricky, and he's a C4 complete tetra, secondary to a motor vehicle accident unrelated to work. Um, He was employed full-time as a truck driver um, for six years prior to sustaining his injury, and he worked with the previous vocational resource facilitator um, and met with her inpatient, and he felt very confident that he was unable to return to his job due to the physical demands associated with um, the loading and unloading of um, the materials, but also having to drive um, a uh, a large truck. So he was linked to DVR as an inpatient, and he, because he wasn't sure about what his skill set was and what his, his vocational interests were, um, he was sent for a 10-day comprehensive vocational evaluation. <clears throat> During this vocational evaluation, um, he was at a bit of a disadvantage because um, the agency performing the evaluation didn't know how to best um, administer tests for him to meet the upper extremity limitations that he had due to his injury. 
So he was feeling a bit frustrated by the process. Um, the agency was able to identify that they, they weren't equipped with the right um, materials to test him, so they recommended that he receive an assistive technology evaluation. Uh, so Ricky was able to um, put this on hold and then complete the, the testing evaluation for assistive technology and it turns out that he actually was it didn't help his case any further because he wasn't in a position to purchase some of the recommendations made for the made by the assistive technology evaluation in order to complete testing um, and unfortunately his dvr counselor wasn't um, ready to pay for whatever recommendations were made because it wasn't directly linked to work it's only linked for an evaluation <clears throat> So this is where some miscommunication and frustration transpired for him. Um, at the same time, um, the previous vocational resource facilitator transitioned out of Kessler, um, and Ricky decided, you know what, I'm just going to do this on my own. I'm not going to continue with the testing. I'm just going to figure out work on my own, which is what he said to me. Um, so when I came on board, uh, the first thing I was doing was calling all of the um, participants that, that were already receiving services, and he was one of the first. And he was coming to Kessler for outpatient therapy, and I met with him. My first impression was super motivated, very eager, total go-getter. And we were able to regroup. I said, okay, what is your goal? What do you feel you're most passionate about and that you would like to pursue in terms of work? And he told me, well, coming to Kessler, I see people who are wheelchair users working, and I'm feeling motivated and encouraged by that. I see myself working in a clerical setting, some kind of office work. I really want to do that. So I was in the position to kind of regroup. Um, I contacted his DVR counselor. Um, we actually met on site with the patient first to clarify his vocational goal. And we were able to then coordinate an additional meeting with the vocational evaluator, um, the DVR counselor, the patient, myself, and the individual who performed the assistive technology evaluation to really regroup and focus the remainder of his testing on clerical work and, and um, uh, customer service duties. So there's also a buy-in that we needed to have back for Ricky. He kind of bought out of the process. He thought this isn't for me. So we had to show him that as a team, this is your team and we're here to help you coordinate and regroup in any way possible. <clears throat> so there was some miscommunication in the whole process because it looked like he was non-compliant, not ready, not following the recommendations made by the DVR counselor, um, but really it was just a demonstration of somebody who could have potentially fallen through the cracks um, without having the long-term follow-along with the vocational resource facil facilitation services. He could have potentially not been linked to any type of services to help him with his vocational goals. Where is he today? I'm happy to say that he completed the remainder of the vocational assessment um, and he is at phase two of that program where he is um, in a work trial experience completing um, in the dietary department where he is performing customer service clerical based work work using um, a head headphones a, a tablet and a stylus pen to um, answer live patient calls and look them up in a system to determine if they have any type of dietary dietary restriction and then going ahead and um, entering their their order and which is being sent to the kitchen so not only is he actually being able to test out and trial work that he identified was interesting for him but he's also sampling some assistive technology um, during this process you not only 
bring people back into the um, workplace, but you give them the opportunity to reinvent themselves if um, if the situation calls for it or if they desire to change um, in their life. So that's wonderful. Um, So that's one example of how successful the program has been for uh, an individual. When compared to the national benchmark in terms of returning to work uh, for individuals with SEI, how does the program fare uh, one year post inpatient discharge? Data says that there's a 12% return to work rate one year post injury and a 28% return to work rate 10 years post injury. So with the vocational resource facilitation services, we've been actually we've been able to more than double those numbers one year post injury um, with a 28% return to work rate success. Are there any other program goals that you have maybe a year from now, two years from now? We are in the sustainability phase right now with this project um, because we have a contract with DVR um, to continue services through um, the end of this year. So our goal is to make this um, this model uh, replicated by developing a manual um, that other organizations um, or hospital systems can implement um, in their own system. Who is eligible for the program? Um, How do you get involved uh, if you're somebody who's had a uh, a spinal cord injury? Does it have, do they have to have a traumatic injury? Can it be non-traumatic? We're early intervention services. So um, we are hoping to capture newly injured persons with spinal cord injuries. So um, the eligibility criteria is 12 months or less. Um, And we work with people who have a non-progressive traumatic or non-traumatic spinal cord injury. And they're between the ages of 18 and 64 years old. How do they get in touch with you? Individuals can certainly always reach out to me. Um, my referrals are typically made, um, I, I get referrals through the doctors or the therapists, um, but also I'm able to, um, during the clinical team meetings, I have access to their medical information. So I'm able to see if one, they meet the criteria, but two, sometimes within that medical information, um, they talk about what their, their social history was, so if they were working or if they were in school. Um, So that's when I reach out to um, the patients that way. An individual can reach me um, through my my work contact information, my email or my phone, but also a therapist can reach out to me or even a family member if they know somebody that they think could benefit from services. Um, We always include uh, um, the supports in people's life, so family member, caregiver, spouse, um, as we identify goals for work. If an individual is not eligible for the program, uh, say they are out of state, are there any resources that are broader that would be available to them either by uh, their state DVR or another source? Mm -hmm. DVR, um, in in New Jersey we call it DVR, but typically in every state there is a vocational rehab agency. Um, So there has been times where I've been given a referral for an individual who lives out of of state um, and I, I certainly would never not meet with them. I always meet with them. Um, prior to meeting with them, I research all of that information that they might need in order to um, link up to those services. So typically what I'll do is I'll perform just a simple internet search, and then I try to just educate myself on what the referral process might be for, for that individual so that they're able to kind of self-advocate and coordinate um, that, coordinate those aspects in order to be linked to their state VR agency. 
Do you have any tips for successful reintegration into the workforce that you can give uh, from your experiences? Yes, um, I definitely feel that it's our duty to match the skills, the experience, and the knowledge that somebody has when looking at the demands associated with a particular job that they're wanting to pursue. Um, I also, one another tip would be to um, reach out and utilize vocational services at whatever point that person might need as it relates to job retention. So they may have been able to successfully um, identify a job, you know, complete the interview and complete the hiring process, but there may have been a shift or change in their demand at work that they might then need intervention from, um, whether it be through a supported employment agency or through a different type of assistive technology to help somebody uh, learn and complete those demands of their job. I also feel that um, disclosure is an important thing too. Um, for individuals with disabilities, can choose choose to disclose and not to disclose for a variety of reasons. Um, if if they are going to be requesting an accommodation, it's always important and crucial to disclose um, that. I feel at during the the interview process, and I think that that shows to the employer that you have the skill and the ability, but you just do it in a different way, and that's through this certain device or technology that's proven to be successful for you. I also feel that it um, shows that you're open and honest and, and upfront, which you know all employers want from all all of their employees. Um, and I also feel that it the the mindset and the perspective that employers might have towards an individual with a disability can can be altered. I do. Well, I'm trying to say that it's also on the role of the employer to be open-minded, right. um, and and willing and open to accepting, um, you know, an application from somebody who might have a disability. Um, so, sh- indicating what supports that are useful for that person um, during that whole process will help with um, retention. No, absolutely, because. I read a lot about diversity initiatives in corporations that exclude people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. So I can understand how changing the uh, overall ideology or the perception of people with disabilities is definitely uh, a strategy and a goal to achieve. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Adria. Um, We're going to have your contact information below. So if anybody does want to get in touch with you, they'll be able to do so. And, you know, just thank you again for a wonderful conversation. Thank you for having me. For more information about Kessler Foundation and its researchers, go to KesslerFoundation.org. That is K-E-S-S-L-E-R-F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N dot org. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, listen to us on SoundCloud, and tweet with us on Twitter. <laughs>